0: Welcome to the State of the Lakers Postgame Show on Dash Radio. Thank you guys so much for coming to hang out with Raj and I. We have Raj back. (laughs) He has finally returned from his journey to God knows where in the EDM universe. Yes. Um, But it's good to have you back, buddy. It's
1: good to be back. I appreciate you holding it down. Yeah, Vegas was fun. It's also a place that you shouldn't be for more than four days. So that's uh, four days is a long time. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, it's good to be back. Appreciate you holding it down. Appreciate uh, Vinay for coming on as well, uh, I believe, on the, the first show. But, yeah, it's good to be back, man. It's not it's not fun mm-hmm. watching games on box scores or when you can't find internet, uh, going and asking around people with Laker jerseys, did the Laker to win or not. So that's not fun. So, yeah, it's, <laughs> it's good to be back. And this was a fun one to come back to.
0: It was a fun one. Um, we are going to spend a good amount of time talking about the other two games that you missed, just because there's – or just on the season in general, just because we haven't heard from you in a long time and we want to get – Your two cents, but this was, it turned into a really interesting game there when they fell down by, I think it was, did they get down by 10 or was it just eight? I can't remember. But there, there, when the wheels started to come Mm -hmm. off, it just seemed like your stereotypical, like, uh, old team looking really old, looking like they don't care, getting, you know, run off the floor by the young, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, uh, enthusiastic, uh, Spurs team, but they fought back. And, uh, I thought, I thought Russ and AD were both fantastic Tonight, Neither of them were great defensively, but with what they were asked to do offensively tonight, you know, you got to give them a little bit of slack. You know, having LeBron to take some of that weight off kind of makes it easier for the two of them to focus on the defensive end. Uh, But you know what they both they both did what you needed them to do tonight, which was get a win so that LeBron can get his ankle right so that he can come back and, and help you guys later on down the schedule. So um, it was, it was, it was, uh, it was definitely what I would call, uh, a, a, a very, very important win in the grand scheme of the 82 game season.
1: Yeah. This was definitely Russ's like, I guess we can start with Russ cause every single night I feel like is going to be, uh, him being the first, uh, talking point, but he was attacking the rim. I thought at a pretty aggressive level. And when LeBron was out, it just felt like he played more free. I don't know if you saw that as well. And again, the focus of a lot of the talk has been DeAndre Jordan starting, and I think I may have been even wrong. Like, I thought he could play at a baseline level that he can't even reach that. Even though the, the ball was kind of low, he, he might be washed. But just seeing Russ in transition get to the basket. And, I, like, my big key for tonight was they ran a lot of Russ and AD screen and roll, right, with the spore for Fred. And even when there was Dwight on the floor, it just continually went to that. And I thought we found, like, some good things out of that. Russ got to the basket and the Spurs don't really have a great kind of inside game as well to defend the rim. They have Jacob Jacob Pertle at the rim, so Russ can kind of go through him. But we saw that kind of aggressiveness and getting to the rim, scoring at the basket, kicking out to the corners for threes. Like I thought, Russ really, really good, really looked good tonight. What'd you see from him? Because I thought he was pretty much the key, along with of course AD looking like himself. But I guess we can kind of start with Russ. Like, what'd you see from him? What was his game like tonight?
0: So it was interesting because as the game was getting ready to start. I was kind of bummed out that LeBron didn't try to play. The reason why is I kind of saw this specific game Mm -hmm. as somewhat of a must-win. Not actually a must-win, but somewhat of a must-win. The reason why is they're about to head into uh, a stretch of here. I think four of their next five games are against Houston and Oklahoma City. So those are games that they should win, um, even if if LeBron has to miss. So my thing was like I kind of wanted him to push through and try to get this one in San Antonio because it was a little tougher. And then they could go – Uh, you know, then he could rest as he needed after that. But the silver lining when LeBron decided to call it a night was what I thought to myself was this is a great example of a great opportunity for Russ to not have to worry about fitting in with LeBron. It was an example of a, you know, like he, it took out the guesswork for him. It took out some of that decision making, some Mm -hmm. of that. Some of that uh, self control that he would need to have if he was playing with LeBron, which gave him an opportunity to just put his head down and go to the rim every time, like you said. And almost everything uh, uh, involved, like I was shocked at how often he got to the rim in their big lineup. Now, some of that has to do with a young Spurs team that's going to make a lot of defensive mistakes, Mm -hmm. to be clear. Um, I don't think you can get away with the DJ at the five lineup against really good teams. I think that this is a textbook example of, uh, of what Frank probably intends in terms of innings eating, because this is the type of game we're having DJ at the five when you're injured when you're dealing with a bunch of injuries and you defend well enough with that group that you can hopefully just squeeze out a win out of the 82. Uh-huh. Right. But I was so blown away by how good Russ was getting to the rim in those lineups. That's just not what we saw in the first three games. He struggled to find driving lanes in those lineups. Again, don't want to take too much from it because I don't think it'll work against good teams. Uh, but I, I thought Russ was just fantastic tonight because they took out the guesswork. He just got to put his head down and go to the rim, and you saw his best game as a Lakers.
1: Right, and 33 points, uh, 8 assists, 10 rebounds. Like That's kind of the guy they traded for, right? And you won't see this... All the time, especially next to LeBron. LeBron will share a lot of that usage. But I think he still kind of has to play this way. They traded for a guy that's going to relentlessly attack the rim, right, and not try to do this where he tries not to mm-hmm. step on each other, someone's toes. Or They want him to be Russ. When you trade for a guy like Russell Westbrook, you trade for him, for him to be himself and, and try not to just work around exactly. other people. And I thought he did that tonight. And, again, no LeBron playing. He knows that he has to be the main ball handler. And, again, it looks ugly sometimes, especially when they have two bigs out there But when they made that run in the fourth, so in the fourth quarter, they won the fourth to 29-17, and that run was basically made Mm -hmm. with uh, Dwight and AD, I believe, on the floor uh, next to Austin Reeves, I think, and I think Link Monk maybe as well have been on the floor. But that's when they made that run. Russ was still getting to the basket. Him and AD were having some nice actions. Like uh, I was kind of frustrated. They had Rondo kind of throwing those entry passes to AD, and they would just double one pass away. And they had Russ doing it too, but Russ would kind of, When they would double one pass away, he would use that space to just attack the rim and in transition on any like Mm -hmm. one on one matchup. Right. So if he's had like Deontay Murray back or just any one on one matchup, it's just a quick left to right crossover, get to the basket, overpower him. And that's stuff he can do even with like I understand with two bigs on the floor. But in transition, that's stuff he can do even when LeBron's back, just that relentless rim attack. And that really breaks down the defense. It wears them down. And I thought you saw that tonight. So, yeah, I thought Russ was really good. Um, This was his best game. And we kind of need more more of that.
0: Yeah, exactly, and it, you know the reason why I like the big lineups tonight in particular mm-hmm. was because of what you're, what you can expect from a team like the Spurs, right? Because a really smart basketball team is going to find a way to make you pay for being too mm-hmm. slow, um, whether it's off-ball actions or a really good point guard, someone along the lines of Steph, who, who, or you know John Morant did a great job of this too, who's going to make you look slow, uh, trying to cover in space mm-hmm. like that, right? But this young this young Spurs team is kind of like. They're just taking threes and they're going all the way to mm-hmm. the rim, right? So if you have two, if you had two big guys on the floor that can clog things up around the paint, a, a young team like that is, is going to struggle countering that by, by making you pay for being slow. They're just going to perpetually, as long as you can chase them off the three point line, they're just going to perpetually drive right into your size. Mm-hmm. And so I'm, I'm really curious. I'm going to look at the advanced metrics after everything uploads later tonight, but I bet you the Dwight and DeAndre Jordan lineups tonight were fantastic. Um, be, just because of their ability to defend the Spurs at the rim uh, and their inability to make them pay for that. Um, but you're right. The Rondo stuff is just it's its really hard for me right now because, <laughs> you know, I was the truther. I was the Rondo truther during the playoff mm-hmm. run. I was the one that, you know, when when most of the Laker fan base was was kind of getting behind the good games he was having, I still struggle. With with the bad that Rondo brings and how much it can hurt the team, and when you put him out there, um, it just it just everything gets so much clunkier. And and I'm hoping that this is not something we're going to have to see for much longer. You know, Darius Soriano called this out on Twitter, and I thought it was interesting. The Frank basically had ten guys he could go to. Uh-huh. He had six guards, he had three centers, and he had Carmelo Anthony. And so he was in this really awkward position where he had to basically just mix and match combinations of guards that aren't great defensively with bigs, you know, that have their own limitations in terms of Dwight and, and DeAndre Jordan. And it, it, again, you're just trying to survive in a game mm-hmm. like that. And so I liked that. I liked that Frank just was like, Hey, uh, let's go big and see if they can make enough threes to beat us. And they just couldn't. And especially down there in overtime in the end of the fourth quarter, they just couldn't make enough jump shots um uh to 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 get that win yeah and
1: i would have liked to see rondo and westbrook minutes a little more staggered right and and like we're all frustrated sometimes with vogel's rotations but i I try to see what he's seeing and i think he's just wants an extra playmaker out there right in that second unit but those units just can't survive defensively and then offensively it's still just too clunk too clunky to be out there like those rondo westbrook with mellow lineups and i think like maybe one more guard those just get destroyed and the spurs run a lot of ball screens and I knew, like, tonight would be tough. Greg Popovich's teams play at a baseline level, right? They're not going to play too poorly to get blown out every night. Like, I think they'll have a baseline level of effort and and scheme that they're going to run to where you have to play above that. Um, and, I, and I thought they did. But, yeah, like, those Rondo Westbrook minutes, uh, I just would like those gone. And I think with him trying to get another playmaker out there, I think Monk, like, passes enough as a shot creation shot creator where he can create where you don't need those lineups out there. But you're right. it's It's really tough. There's no one really you can go to like, it's just trade off that you have to keep going to. Like I, I saw him sub out Dwight for mellow for offense. And then right away you had Jakob portal just go off. Right. Because when AD helps it's the guards job mm-hmm. to kind of recover and, and tag on him. And that's Malik monk down there. And those are layups. um You saw monk saying like, what am I supposed to do going into the timeout one time, but uh, you could see his <laughs> hands up and it's like, it's his job to kind of rotate there, but he's not really used to that. Right. That's not his role a lot of the time. So um, you could see kind of the, the the things that Vogel is wrestling with, and it's a tough decision. I, I know it's very easy to just say eighty at the five, and that's that's obviously the Lakers' best lineups, but he kind of has to play the bigs like you talked about because the rotation is so short. We're missing three rotation guys who really are our three better defenders right? in THT – Four uh, right, rotation with, guys.
0: With LeBron, with LeBron. LeBron, THT, Ariza. Right. I'm just them. speaking
1: on the uh, second unit, basically. Um, but, but but, oh, but yeah, okay, gotcha. I'm assuming LeBron's going to play pretty soon. But, yeah, with the second unit, the THT, Monk, <laughs> and Ariza are our better defenders. So, I think he has a tough job trying to figure out. I think he's going to kind of stick with this DJ-AD lineup um, as we go onto these with these bad teams.
0: Yeah. So, at the end of the game, they went back to AD and mm-hmm. the five. And I th- I thought it was interesting because you were talking about when AD would get, they would get AD involved in the action and AD would inevitably end up guarding DeJounte Murray or or, or mm-hmm. Derek White or one of the guards on the perimeter off of like a switch. And in the normal Laker lineups, your three and four are going to be, you know, either Bazemore and LeBron or if Ariza gets healthy, it's going to be Ariza and right. LeBron and so you've got LeBron coming to play exactly. with the role man. You know, like, <laughs> yeah, right. You're throwing it to Jakob Pertl, LeBron's probably just gonna take it away from him half the time, and and Jakob's not gonna feel comfortable enough to go up to the basket with LeBron there most mm-hmm. of the time, right? So, but instead, because of Frank's predicament, now you basically have Bazemore as your second biggest player on the floor there in that crunch time lineup. And he and you, most of the time it ended up being one of the other smaller guards that had to fill that LeBron role of, of picking up the, that guy on the mm-hmm. short roll. And so it just it, again like this is where you just have to look at it as you're surviving the NBA regular season. You're down four rotation players, you're down your best player. Uh you you have to just find a way to survive. And and they did it tonight and this is where this is where we saw Russ's value coming mm-hmm. into the season, right? The idea was you, we need something to make it so that when LeBron James isn't on the floor, the wheels don't just come, exactly, you know, because because Anthony Davis is not a perimeter initiator. He's not a guy that's going to break the defense down at the point of attack by himself. He needs someone. He's a we, he's a devastating offensive weapon, but he needs to be alongside someone who can make decisions. And you, what you saw tonight, was a game that Laker teams of old would have lost without LeBron. That they won. Because of Russ's ability, and the biggest thing they got to try to channel from this is try to figure out how you can get Russ to play with the same mentality when he staggered mm-hmm. with LeBron. Um, because and Frank has done a good job of this this season. When the, with the way they split the lineups, they take Russ out first. LeBron's been playing deeper into the first quarter than he has in recent years. There's a lot of LeBron Russ staggering going on. So this is where you just got to get into Russ's ear show them tape from this game and be like, this is how relentless and this is how persistent you have to be attacking the rim when LeBron's off the floor. This is what we brought you here for. This is what raises our ceiling. Um, And so that's that's the thing that they got to try to bottle up from this game and and take into the future. But I wanted to ask you, so we uh, have had, what, three games since you last uh, were on the pod. So I asked you to come with the one thing that you're most concerned about and the one thing that you're most optimistic about from the first four games. So why don't you start by telling me about the thing that you're most optimistic about
1: from the first four games. So I guess like just watching again, this like this season kind of revolves to me around the Russell Westbrook fit around the team. Right. And I feel like every game he's gotten more and more, a little bit more comfortable. He's not he's still not like super efficient, but that's like what I've seen been most optimistic about, like watching the last two games. Kind of not, not watching them live, you kind of watch them with less emotion. So you kind of look at things a little bit differently. And I thought like he's getting to the rim a little bit more. And I thought t- today was kind of today was kind of leading up from those from those games, right? So like he's getting to the basket. And I think his chemistry with AD is starting to work. Like uh, watching that Phoenix game that I missed, I kind of thought they would lose to Phoenix. That like, just watching us play Phoenix in the preseason as well, they just look way more ahead of ahead than we are. They're very, they're well-oiled system right now running. Uh, I just thought we wouldn't be able to beat that. And, mm-hmm. But then on the comeback in the fourth, like I really liked what I saw, like those eighty at the five with Russ. I think it was like Austin Reeves as well um, when they were making their run. And you just saw him kind of get a little bit more and more comfortable in mem- against Memphis as well. I thought you saw him get more comfortable. So that's kind of what I'm optimistic about. How about you? Do you see that as well? I feel like the rust fit, it's still clunky. Again, with the two bigs, it's never going to be clean. Like it, It's just not. You have two bigs in the paint, and when LeBron's there, people are still going to play off him. It's going to be ugly. But I feel like in transition, there's things he can do. And he's starting to find his spots, starting to find shooters. I thought he found Malik Monk a bunch of times tonight. Um, obviously got austin reeves some buckets like that's the russell westbrook they kind of signed for the law passes as well like i think he's a really good law passer he just makes bad decisions with it That makes sense like that that law pass <laughs> to ad to end overtime fourth in the fourth quarter i thought was was absolutely terrible i thought that was a terrible pass but i do think he's a good law passer when he combines that with good decision making but um so yeah that's what i'm kind of seeing that's what i'm optimistic about
0: yeah, so the, it's, it's funny you brought up Reeves. Like, I talked a lot with you in the offseason about how I liked the versatility of this new Laker roster. The idea that they could go with more shooting and offense or they could kind of default to old school Laker lineups that were mm-hmm. better defensively. And Austin, Austin Reeves has kind of uh, solidified that for me um, because in the Russ LeBron AD lineups – To go vintage, old-school Lakers, Mm -hmm. you know, we're going to lock your ass up and we're going to lean on LeBron and AD on the other end. You needed that fourth and fifth guy in that lineup to be someone that you could count on to play that old-school Frank Vogel style of basketball. And I liked Ariza for that. I liked Bazemore for that. I liked THT potentially for that, if you could figure out some of his off-ball stuff. But it was still a little bit thin in that regard. Well, Reeves now to me solves that problem. Reeves is like your perfect fifth dude that you could throw into those kinds of lineups. So now I'm more optimistic about the versatility that they can play with. You know, there are a lot, there was a lot of Mm. pessimism floating around Twitter when the wheel started to come off tonight. And you have to remember like the, this, yes, the Laker roster looks clunky and flawed right now, but it was never intended to look like this. This is not what Rob Polinka signed up for. Okay. (laughs) Like the way Rob Polinka saw this, They would have more size on the wing. They would have better point of attack defenders like Kendrick Nunn, who's shown a propensity in his career to fight over the top of screens and do his job in pick and roll coverage, or THT, who's, you know, I've called him mini Kawhi a bunch of times with his ability to disrupt guys on the ball. Like, there was a version of this that would have looked a lot better to start the season that got derailed by injuries. Uh, But let's see, let's hear what your thing that has you most concerned
1: at this yeah. So is. it's definitely still the defensive end. Like I'm a little worried. Like, again, I know, like I said before, we're missing our best three defenders, but we're going to be missing them for a while. Right. I think Tht's not going to be back for a while. None's still out for a few weeks. So that's where I'm a little bit worried. And tonight against the same thing these really ball screen heavy teams like the Spurs um, they have the, they have a lot of guards that live in the mid-range right so they might be a little unique to this so they run a lot of ball screen actions and with our drop coverage like it's very important for the guards to be able to fight over these screens and kind of stay attached and our guards are just getting destroyed by it and it's, and I've seen that every game I don't think it's a coincidence that like John Morant went off for 40. Now John Morant is very special but I mean I don't think that's coincidence he did that against us because our guard defenders just just can't stay up to a baseline level that it needs to to where you can play these big lineups or, because that's where Frank's gonna play. He has three he has two centers plus A D on the team. He's gonna be playing these big lineups, and it's important where the guards have to play at a baseline level of defense. I just have not seen that yet. is probably the only one. And that's why Austin Reeves is getting all these minutes. Um he's played what, I think almost thirty minutes tonight, or maybe like twenty-five minutes tonight. Yeah, he played oh he played Here's thirty minutes a tonight. A rookie just coming around. A rookie that's that insane. played 30 minutes time because he he can at least play like at a baseline level of defense plus his shooting um, plus his shooting out there was huge as well. But that's where I'm a little bit concerned about. And again, I don't know if none, Tht, and Ariza are just you plug those in and that's your answer. Like I think that's a little dangerous. To think about with a 36 year old Ariza, Tht is still a young player, and none is a good defender. He's not a great defender, but he's a good defender. But still, that that's my biggest concern with this team Um, because I think you saw tonight as well like uh, Deontay Murray was walking into those jumpers um, pretty easily and I I think you'll see a lot of guards do that against us uh, with our with our guard defense
0: yeah tonight was the worst game for the Mm -hmm. Laker guard core defensively by by a mile and I thought it was mostly effort Um, you know the the Lakers especially after their hot start kind of just expected San Antonio to fold and they did it, you know, young kids, they're just going to keep feeding off the crowd and continue to put shots up and God forbid two or three of them go in. Like what happened with Lonnie Walker, (laughs) like it can, all of a sudden the dude just gets uh, outrageous confidence and he's feeding on it and and he's going to keep going to work, you know? And um, that said, like it's all about options, right? Like Frank could have gone to Avery Bradley tonight if he wanted to, um, but, but he couldn't because Avery Bradley ever since, his little spurt at the end of the Golden State game has actually been pretty bad. <laughs> uh, not just in, you know, we all saw the meme that went viral with the, uh, um, you know, the 27 minutes and zero points and zero rebounds and zero assists or whatever. But the truth is, is he was just he was just bad. When he checked into the game to guard John Morant, he lost him on the first possession, just not paying attention. Like, like mm-hmm. he, he was bad. So for, the way Frank is looking at this is it's like, all right, Rondo's dying on screens. Monk's doing some sloppy closeouts. Russ is kind of floating around. He's losing his man off the ball, but I don't really have options. And so what, 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 what fixes the problem is the accountability brought by the fact that you could lose your minutes, you know, and having <clears throat> him having options like none, like uh, THT, like Ariza in the future uh, gives Frank more, you know, uh, more ammunition to sit down with some of these guys and be like, look, if you don't do this better, you're just not going to play. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And uh, the, the one thing that has me a little bit concerned is I, and I mentioned this on the pod on, on uh, Sunday night, but I, I have a feeling that Reeves is going to fall entirely out of the rotation. Uh, and it's not by any of his doing, it's just by virtue of the fact that none's coming back. Um, you know, if you look at the way this kind of broke out this season, they brought in Rondo to basically run the bench lineups. Right. And they, you know, put him in that weird lineup with, with Russ a lot, especially in the golden state game. And then tonight, well, the truth of the matter is, is those minutes are going to none. Mm-hmm. Right. And in between, in between the golden state game and tonight, uh, they, they kind of use Rondo tonight as like LeBron. They kind of played him in the LeBron bench, <laughs> right. minutes, uh, uh, because they're so, because those lineups are so used to having a playmaker on the mm-hmm. floor. You know what I mean? And Frank is just trying to replicate that. But in the previous two games against Phoenix and and uh, and uh, <clears throat> uh, Memphis, they they put Reeves in in the Rondo minutes, and basically played him alongside Russ, and and that was where he got the majority of his burn. So w- Kendrick Nunn is pretty much going to slot right into that spot, and he's your uh, mid-level exception guy. So even though his salary is only like five point six million or whatever, Jeannie's effectively paying fifteen million if you count mm-hmm. luxury tax to keep him on the roster. So it's just hard for me to believe the rookie undrafted kid just playing over Kendrick None That feels to me like something that's not going to happen. So I I, I think you're going to see Reeves kind of fall onto the back burner here. But at the same time, the the thing to be optimistic about there is he's, uh, they, they already converted him from the two way into a guaranteed contract. I think it's guaranteed for two years. So like he Lakers have him under control. They have him for depth and hopefully, um at some point during the season Frank will kind of see the value there and give him his opportunity but I am worried about him falling out of the room yeah I'm
1: not too worried about that because I think Frank even sometimes to his detriment will fall back on the better defender like I think that's who he's going to play and I think Mm -hmm. if Reeves is the better defender then I think he'll play and Rondo I think he was brought in not to be Jared Dudley but I don't think he was meant to play this much at least that's what they told us at the media day which was I think three years ago now but yeah like I think at like media day they talked about Rondo not playing much and again I'm not sure if that's true or we'll never really know until we get the full rotation but I feel like when we get the full rotation he should be the one kind of sitting out I would like to see Reeves stay in the rotation I think he's too good of a shooter to not play Um, I think that just fits next to three stars who want to get to the basket basically like you need knockdown guys which is why I thought Ellington would play but his defense again just can't get to a baseline level that it needs to. And that's where Reeves comes in. He's a rookie. He makes rookie mistakes. He gets out-muscled. I thought Lonnie Walker tried to pick on him tonight. Uh, you saw him kind of uh, use his, whoever he was guarding, kind of use him as a screener and go at him. But he makes the right decision even if he gets out-muscled. And I think that's all you can ask. He makes the right play, and those are all cliches. But those matter when you're playing as the superstar guys who take all this usage. If you're in the right spot, take the right shots. Like that one shot he took where like the guy was running at him, he faked got right into the mid-range jumper, wide open. I think it was a huge shot. I think it put us up one or something like that. Like, those aren't rookie plays, you know what I mean? Those aren't guys who are who are, who are super poised and can take those kind of looks. So I think he'll stay in the rotation. Maybe I'm just being optimistic, but that's kind of how I see it. I think Vogel will go with a better defender, and he's been playing pretty good defense. The numbers with LeBron and AD on the floor I think are great. His plus-minus is good, which is another ode to Caruso, I guess. But, uh, but yeah, I think I think he'll stay in the rotation.
0: So our guy, Jason Maples, just tweeted and said uh, 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 that there's no way he says no way Reeves leaves the rotation. Don't put that in the air. I'm not putting that in the air as if to say that I want it to happen or that it should happen. I'm just saying it's what I predict. And to be clear, I do not want it to happen. Like I you mentioned his closeout attacking. He he is like this is not just within the lens of a rookie. He is one of the best closeout attackers I've ever seen in terms of not the the flashy ceiling right. of the you know uh like like what you know what you might see from someone like cam reddish for instance what, what i'm more referring to is just the like never makes mm-hmm. a mistake never tries to do too much like very rarely tries to very rarely makes a mistake i should say i'm gonna say something that's kind of borderline blasphemous here it kind of reminds me of andre Guadala. like when andre Guadala attacks a closeout he's always under control he never does something stupid he always makes that like advanced level read, like looking guy off to the corner to hit the guy on the wing or vice versa, or that little extra pass fake or wrap around to make sure the pass actually gets where it's going. So it doesn't get tipped. Like he's so savvy attacking those closeouts. And when you actually add in that he is a rookie, it's completely mind blowing to me. Uh, I it, like when he catches on the wing, and puts the ball on the floor don't you just feel like <laughs> safe in terms of like he's not going to do something stupid? Right. you know what i mean like it, it's kind of crazy in that that blow by play you brought uh, you 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 uh said is the perfect example just completely under control pump fake wait for the guy to go by one dribble completely balanced just just everything is is so under control with him and that that's me he if it were up to me I'd put him in over Bazemore as a, as a guy in the closing lineup. That's, that's how much I think that guy is the perfect fifth player. But that said, it's not going to (laughs) happen. And and what's prop, I actually do predict he'll fall out of the rotation as unfortunate as that is. I just, I do think the politics matter here. And we've seen in the last couple of years with Frank that the politics do matter, like with Drummond, like with JaVale McGee, even like with DeAndre Jordan here to start the season. Like there's just, there's there's a little bit of decision making here that goes beyond just purely x's and o's if that
1: makes yeah, sense that's fair i mean that that could be right i just think he's playing too well and we just don't have enough guys who can like he's not even a super two-way player but it's enough to where like it stands out on a team with so many guards who are uh, below low low average defenders like just him on the floor not making mistakes mm-hmm. it, it stands out i just think that can't be ignored on the film i think his numbers can't be ignored i know it's only been what four games I think, uh, but I think those numbers uh, can't be ignored. I wanted to ask you this though because I thought it was important they came back tonight. Like I, I think two. I know it's I know it's early. The season just started, whatever. But I think uh, one and three is is a lot different than two and two. Just from a met, just from a mental oh, psyche of a team, and they got punched in the mouth. Like they could have easily just you know got punched and just let it keep bleeding. And I, honestly, that's what I thought was going to happen. Like at the Spurs in the fourth, we're kind of gonna we're kind of gonna run away with it. I think they. Ended the, thir- ended the third on like a 12 to three run or something like that uh, yeah oh, Lonnie, so Lonnie Walker had like oh. nine straight I think <laughs> points by himself a nine-on run by himself um, but I thought them coming back was important even if it is early I think just for the team overall like you can't get blown out like that um, especially going on to a road trip here so I thought it was important did you think the same thing?
0: Yeah, I 100% agree. So um, when you and I broke down the first 15 games of the schedule, you know we were both kind of just hopeful to get one of the Phoenix Golden State stretch. Um, Especially after that preseason, we were like, (laughs) if they got one of those, we were going to be thrilled. And um, uh, it was interesting, too, because in both games, they had stretches, particularly at the beginning where they looked pretty good. It's just the wheels fell off uh, in both of those games. But the way I looked at it, the Memphis and San Antonio games were the big ones. And the reason why is, like like I said, four of the next five uh, are, are like, really easy games with Houston and OKC. And then the fifth one in there is Cleveland, who just came off beating Denver. And uh, who was the other team they beat? They beat Denver, and then they beat somebody else good. I can't remember exactly. But uh, they uh, uh, Cleveland's a little dangerous and a little frisky, so that's not a super easy one. But I knew that this, these two, the San Antonio game and the Memphis game, if they could get those two mm-hmm. wins – they have the potential to go up to portland at what's that that will make them if they if they win these next 5 which are all very winnable they'll be they'll be favorites in vegas by at least 5 points in right. every one of those games um uh they they could go up to portland 7 mm-hmm. and 2 and have an opportunity to get a signature win early season signature win up in portland come back 8 and 2 no one will even remember Dwight and AD getting in an <laughs> altercation no one will even remember the uh uh the the nasty uh the you know uh, ugly finish to that Golden State game or the blowout against Phoenix like all that stuff disappears if you just win. Winning cures everything and they needed to get a couple here and now all of a sudden LeBron getting that ankle rest with the win in San Antonio feels super valuable. I was just I was just worried that they would lose tonight without LeBron just because of how poorly they did.
1: Yeah. And I guess like, we can talk a little about a little bit about AD, like his start to the season, I thought has been great. Like he's come again. We always try to talk about like the process um, over results thing. And I think the process is AD and LeBron looking amazing, right? Like sometimes that's just, that's just the process. And Mm -hmm. I think he looked great again tonight and the Spurs are a bad matchup for him. They have a lot of smaller kind of undersized guys on him. Jakob Perto is probably the main big guy they throw on him, but uh, I thought he was really good, dominated the offensive boards. Um, even when, like, Bazemore, Russ, uh, Malik Monk, when they attacked, the, when they just attacked the basket and get the big to help over, he's able to get offensive rebounds. And that's just stuff we missed last year. And I think last year kind of hid the fact of how kind of special AD is as a player. And it's good to see him throwing those numbers up again. And 35 points, 17 rebounds tonight, 4 assists. Um, he, had, he had the one play where he, like, got the rebound. Uh, he blocked Pirtle at the rim, got the rebound. Uh, drove down, in and out, dribble, attacked the basket, and one. I believe that's just stuff that he can do, and uh, we didn't see, we didn't get to see much of it last year. So hopefully, uh, I think I saw on, on on the timeline that it was a uh, he knocked knees with somebody. So hopefully, um, he's okay and uh, he's able to play. Maybe he'll, he'll probably rest tomorrow. But what did you see from AD? Because I thought he looked good tonight. Again, the offense looks still clunky. They're still running a lot of ISO post ups for him, and maybe that's just a product of not having LeBron on the floor. But uh, and but I thought he looked good in his minutes
0: so i love ad but he's an extremely frustrating player to to report sometimes um just because it just because of silly things like his absolute uh like unending desire to turn every post up (laughs) into the most complicated jump shot in the history of mankind that gets frustrating the incessant falling the constant injury scares it it gets difficult to to report my my one big nit pick with him tonight was um, mm-hmm. the glass. And this was a problem that he had a little bit, uh, in the Phoenix game. Um, AD has a tendency when he gets locked with a big to not fight for position. So like once he's already body to body with somebody, he kind of is just where he is. And if the other big decides to push on him or, or, or seal him, uh, he just kind of mm-hmm. gives that ground. And, and he really struggled against Aiton right. around the rim uh, it, with just giving up his base, like getting shoved off of his spot, uh, um, always losing balance. Like in that physical altercation, he was the loser in, in most of those matchups. And tonight he got – like especially in the second half, he really got manhandled on the boards by Yaka Pertl. And again – the way you got to look at it is the team is not going to rebound very well without LeBron and without, you know, uh, um, the rest of their, uh, their depth out on the wing, like Ariza, um, or even THT who has a, has a tendency to be a a good off ball rebounder. You can count on that working better in the long run, but it just, I do. I wish that AD was a little bit more willing to be the guy who wins the Mm -hmm. physical battles, you know, to be the guy that, you look back, like, cause, cause he, he can like game two and game three against Phoenix. He bullied Aiden and he wasn't shooting well. He wasn't even winning in isolation. He just beat up Aiden on the glass offensive rebound, push the putbacks defensively. He just manhandled Aiden in those games. And he just, that's the one thing that's inconsistent with him that I'd like to see become more consistent is just take the physical challenge, be the guy who, be the guy who the other guy's scared to hit you, and not the other way around. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? That, that that's what I'd like to see from him in the long run. But again, we're just I'm just nitpicking. Uh, this was he had a lot on his plate tonight. Right. He had a lot that he had to do. His responsibilities were were far more extensive tonight than they were in his uh, uh, previous games. I, I'm not going to harp on it too much, um, but that was just
1: that was my one little uh negative takeaway from the night yeah for sure I mean I thought a lot of those also were kind of long rebounds but you're right Jacopero did win a lot of those and I don't know if that's just him trying to just save his energy um and whatnot but I thought like they found something with like him uh catching the ball on the move uh, especially with Russ and he gets to those floaters and stuff and again like it's frustrating seeing him sometimes he'll like bully a guy at the rim uh like post move spin dunk at the rim and the next possession he'll take a fadeaway jumper for <laughs> just for, for no reason so those kind of things Ugh. are frustrating but again like I, I tweeted it tonight like when he gets the ball with like or even if it's just an isolation it's like momentum going to the, towards the basket like he's so good at those like flip shots or like he gets a little contact he can finish like those are shots he should be getting a whole bunch of especially with Russ and Braun kind of feeding him those are shots I want him taking I guess those fadeaway jumpers are kind of just I don't. I, obviously, he likes to take them, but uh, those are kind of frustrating to watch. From, but I, that's why I thought saw from eighty tonight, and I, I don't expect him really to play tomorrow. So I, it was good to see him kind of pull this one out and get a win for us.
0: Well, the other thing about the the, the fadeaways and mm-hmm. stuff too is like. I would almost treat it like uh, mellow. Like if you need to rescue a possession with something like that, yeah. that's fine. You know, uh, LeBron will take the occasional fadeaway. He'll take right. two or three of them a game. They're usually, they're usually like, okay, there's only 12 seconds on the shot mm-hmm. clock. I'm with my bench lineup. So Russ and AD aren't even out here. They're leaving me on an Island. They're not, not doubling. Here's a chance for me to save some legs and get a decent shot. that I practice a lot. That right. kind of thing for AD. He, he uses it too much as his bread and butter. You know what I mean? And and yeah, when it's when it's when he's in the bubble and he's shooting 55 percent on those, then it looks fantastic. But I mean, there are like two players in the league or three players in the league that shoot turnaround fadeaways over 50 percent. You know, you're talking like maybe Kyle Leonard, maybe Kevin Durant, maybe DeMar DeRozan, you know what I mean? Like you're it's just it's an extremely difficult shot on your best day. And so what I'd like to see is a little bit more of like what they did on the shot where AD took the lead. Um, yeah, they got it back to one and then AD took a jumper at the top of the key that yeah. he knocked down. Just get him on a pick and pop. It's like, AD, you trying to save your legs and get some more jump shots? Like, let's just run a simple screen and roll or screen and pop. And you pop to where you want to go and you just catch and shoot. You're, you can shoot 10 of those a game save your legs the same way you do with the fadeaway lean more on the fadeaway when you've got a significant size mismatch uh where there's help around and you know you can get an easy little turnaround or oh my gosh there's six seconds on the shot clock and we just need to try to bail out this possession there you know one of my other big takeaways from this game with russ uh has to do with his efficiency um and i'm kind of relating this to the ad thing so If Russ could just show a little bit of self control with his jump shot, he'd have the most efficient season of his career. Like, I bet you he could get close to 60% true shooting. The reason why is he's going to get a lot of opportunities at the rim with this group. And if he could just cut out the stupid shots, he'd go eight for 16 every night, you know? And uh, I kind of feel that way with AD too. Like, AD is capable of having you know almost you know Jokic MB type of efficiency if he if he trimmed out some of the fat you know what i mean like uh, like just find a way to to take out a few of those per game and turn them into higher percentage shots it doesn't mean you can't take them but trim the fat a little bit and you could end up having one of the more efficient seasons of your career and again read the room like the, the this roster has 3 uh, star level creators so you can trim the fat, you know, like if you're, if you're Kevin Durant in the Eastern conference semifinals and James Harden's on one hamstring and Kyrie Irving's in a suit, then yeah, you're going to have to lean on a lot of tough shot making Mm -hmm. to carry you through the night. But with this specific group, with how much talent they have read the room, you, they don't need you to take as many of those trim some fat, Russ trim some fat, LeBron trim some fat, and, and it'll, it'll show up in the long run. Like, I think it, I told you all summer that I predicted LeBron would have his best three point shooting season because I knew that that was the way he'd look at the room. He read the room with this group. I need to shoot better because that's how I can make sure my game fits well with these mm-hmm. guys. And I, and I think that the way he saw it was I can be a high volume three point shooter this year and maintain my impact Without stepping on people's toes, and and so that's where that's where I'd like to see both Russ and AD improve is just trim the fat in their shot selection. For
1: sure, and I think like expecting Russ to do that, um like I wouldn't expect it. Russ has been in the league a long time. Like he's gonna take those bad jumpers, and I think there's a difference. Like he had that one mid range jumper he hit where like you came off of a 80s The banker, uh, not the banker, the one where he came off uh, AD, I think, and uh, it was wide open, just in rhythm, one dribble. Just in run wide open pull-up jumper, and he switched it. And then in trans- in the next play down, I think he got the rebound, came in transition, and just pulled up this heat check, um, this contested heat <laughs> check. And those are the st- stuff you just kind of have to live with. I know they're bad shots and whatever, but that's just what comes with the package of Russell Westbrook. If you can get this o- all this other stuff kind of mixed in, and we talked all summer about how like it- it's about – putting what Russ does in the mix of LeBron and AD to where it can kind of over overpower the other team. And I think that's what you need to get expecting him to kind of trim off these bad shots. I I just don't think you're going to really get that. And again, maybe two bigs really plays into this. It kind of lulls him into the jumpers. Like you'll see him uh, guards go so far into the screen and the big will just sit back because there's another big in the paint. And he's going to take those. Like it's tough for him to turn those wide open shots down. Like those are shots he's taken his whole career. And I don't see that stopping in year. 13 or, or whatever year he is in he's in but you're right he can be more efficient those decision making has to get a little bit better and it uh, has to work with lebron on the floor though we have to see it with lebron i thought tonight he did play a lot more free uh, you could tell he got the ball a lot more you could tell he was just he played like himself he played like russell westbrook does and and there's a mix of bad and good with that uh, but i i think he can you're right he can get more efficient with it
0: and if lebron's gonna shoot this well you can put him off the ball more. Mm. And because and, you were saying, like, it's got to work with LeBron, mm-hmm. right? And I, I do think that, you know, LeBron, in order to get his rhythm, needs to have extended stretches during the game where he kind of is the maestro, kind of like the beginning of the fourth quarter against Memphis. I'm not sure if you had a chance to watch the tape yet, mm-hmm. but in that fourth quarter against Memphis, LeBron just became the primary decision maker and and a ton of good stuff happened. And you you got to have stretches like that. But, you know, if there's a specific in the game where you need to get russ going and and you know like just stick lebron off the ball because of how well he's been shooting and ask him just to do what he did tonight and, and see if you can't get something going there and i'm with you like russ is who he is blah 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 i get mm-hmm. I, I i do I, I sincerely do i and i understand i'm also a big believer and you got to play into people's personalities like mm-hmm. if his personality is like i thrive on the the confidence that I get from my green light, you know, kind of like the Draymond on green thing. Like you need him to be crazy because that's what fuels his defense. So you can't tell him to not yell at the refs or right. stop yelling at teammates or to stop having blowups with the coaching staff. Cause like that, you know, fervor that he has that that's what drives his defensive motor. So you gotta, you gotta feed into a guy's confidence and you gotta feed into what their personality is. But this is the first time literally in his whole career where he's been a third option. Mm-hmm. So, at a certain point, like, it, it, and I, I, I loved that Frank said it earlier in the year, like, it's like Russ has a green light on catch and shoots, right? But when, when he's off the dribble, he needs to be more picky. And you brought up a great point, Like, there was one jumper that he took in the pick and roll today. Um, at, it was in the second half right. and he shot it right at about the right elbow, uh-huh. it was with an AD pick and roll. And he was wide open. He had tons of time. He was in a rhythm because he had scored a couple times previous. He was comfortable and he stuck it. And that was great. But there was one in crunch time It was either at the end of the fourth or end of overtime where he was walking a dude down into the lane off the dribble and pulled up like a 10 footer and left it way short. And it's like, that's, that's the one, that's the one you gotta, you gotta, you gotta cut out with this group, you know, because that's like, I, like we talked with the and in, in Maples, like that's the hemorrhage possession that if he does that six times a game in a critical playoff game, it could cost you. Mm-hmm. So those are those are the ones that I'd, I'd like to see him cut
1: out. Right. Those are those are basically turnovers. I think that's how Maple's calls them. But but yeah, and we didn't really get it. we didn't really yeah. get to talk talk about like the Memphis game too much. But I, I like that they used him as a screener a bunch, right, to close that game. I thought like I thought that's something they mm-hmm. found. And again, this season they just kind of had to find things as they go. And if they can win while doing that, that's even better, obviously. But I think that's kind of what this season about. Like to me. Watching all these games, like okay, I might have been wrong. DeAndre Jordan might not be able to even start for five minutes, um, just the way that these games are going. Uh, Russ can't get in any rhythm to start, and I, I maybe I've undervalued like where Russ, what Russ can do even with a super clogged paint. Maybe he just can't get to the rim anymore at at that level. Uh, but again, like trying to find things that they can they can go to late in games, and I think Russ as a as a screener for LeBron is something that they did unlock. Teams like to trap lebron coming off these screens like when they used to run it with kcp they would trap him give the ball to kcp and have him kind of play off that and russ is a much better player on on those decisions him getting to go downhill and that's something i think they can use going forward so that's like another thing that you can just unlock as the season goes did did you see that as well in the memphis game just seeing russ i guess as a screener for lebron something they can go to
0: yeah that was a big thing that we talked about it was actually brought up by one of our callers Mm -hmm. and it was something that i uh, uh, made specific note of during the game. The it reminded me of Wade, LeBron, Bosch. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, particularly in the the Thunder series in the 2012 Finals, they did a lot of LeBron Wade pick and roll with Wade becoming the uh, the short roll right. guy, and they just got they just got fantastic stuff out of it because it's just he's he's such a good playmaker. Wade was, and obviously Russ is as well. That that he was so good in that four on three at at picking teams apart. And they got really good stuff out of that in the fourth quarter against against Memphis. There was, uh, there was actually a play that got blown up. It was the very next one after the one that Pete called out Laker film room um, uh, on Twitter today. The um, there was the very next possession. LeBron actually rejected the screen Mm and roll and that they just used with Russ. And he went to the right instead of going to the screen, which is to the left. And it completely befuddled Memphis. Both guys jumped to Russ's side and then immediately realized they made a mistake and sprinted to LeBron. All of a sudden, Russ is like butt naked at the top mm-hmm. of the key. And LeBron just throws the little pocket pass. And Russ came down the lane and AD read it, cut just on time. And honestly, I can't remember who it was for Memphis, but someone ended up breaking up the pass and it turned into a turnover. But had mm-hmm. Russ successfully competed a little completed the little shovel pass, AD probably still be hanging on the rim. Like it was it was one of those. And I remember sitting there thinking, like this is this is one of the ways that you can use Russ's um, you know, skills and weaknesses to your advantage in crunch Mm -hmm. time. Make him a screener, turn him into Draymond. Turn him into Draymond, let him let him make those kinds of plays. And and the most important facet of that is the 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 uh the like sizes element. So you know, the reason why the Lakers can't just run LeBron A.B. pick and roll against like the Clippers or or some of the best teams in the league is they'll just switch it because chances are you've got two really big, strong forwards guarding those two guys. And if a guy is if a guy checks the box as quote unquote, capable of guarding LeBron, he probably checks the box of capable of guarding A.B. and vice versa. So it just it's just really easy to switch it. And then the action is blown up and then you end up having to isolate anyway. Well, Russ is almost always going to be guarded by a someone in that six, three or less type of, of, of size, uh, you know, size frame. So from that standpoint, it becomes extremely difficult to switch. And now, uh, you've got two incredibly gifted passers and ball handlers, uh, with two defenders, you know, having to run a traditional pick and roll coverage. So it just, it's, it's definitely something that I think the Lakers can weaponize. and, And it makes me a lot more optimistic about that fit in crunch time. And that was the key that, everyone was missing with the Houston part, right? Because like Houston was strictly specialists alongside Harden and, and Russ. And so, you know, it became easier to, it became easier to, uh, uh, to make Russ's inability to shoot a, a, a huge crippling effect on them. But with this group, with Anthony Davis as the guy who's going to be cutting or in the roles or in the dunker spot and with LeBron who quite frankly I mean I know people some people disagree with me I just think LeBron's way better than James Harden like he just is he's so much better as a passer he's so much bigger he's so much more versatile I think he's just the kind of guy that those two LeBron and AD just make Russ usable in a way that James Harden and that Houston Rockets team just couldn't in that respect and Obviously, Russ has a long way to go. He's got to be better defensively. He's got to be more consistent. He's got to stay healthy. There are a million ways this can go south. And I still don't love the fit, but I'm more optimistic about the potential ceiling mm-hmm. now than I was before the season, if that makes yeah, sense. Yeah, for sure.
1: It's going to be a clunky fit for a while. I think they're all going to try to figure each other out. We'll see if the starting lineup stay the same. And it might just with the injuries that we have. Um, but I think today was a good like step forward, I guess, for Russ. Is kind of what he has to be, but he has to be it with LeBron on the floor as well. Like he played a lot more free tonight. We'll see if he does when LeBron comes back. But just stuff he did in transition—that relent, relentlessness, relentlessness, ta- uh, attacking the basket—that's who they <laughs> traded for, man. Like that—that's the guy they traded for. They didn't trade him to kind of you know walk around, kind of stand in the corner, or you know try to just feed AD every time. Like they traded Russ to be Russ. That's what you do when you when you go get a player like this, and they need him to be himself for this team to go anywhere uh, that they want. And I thought today is a good step for that.
0: Yeah. And this is the last thing I'm going to say guys. And we're going to call it a night. Uh, uh, we're Raj and I are going again tomorrow night and I wanted to get Raj's thoughts on a bunch of stuff just because I haven't heard from him in almost a week, but on tomorrow night's show, we're going to take a ton of callers. So all of you who made requests tonight, come back tomorrow night the game starts at five Pacific standards. So right around seven thirty 30 uh, West coast time, just be ready, bring your questions, bring your thoughts. We're going to take a lot of callers. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, like it, with this, with this specific, uh, um, with this specific group, the main thing that I want to look at in the long run, as, as is usually the case is going to be that defensive rating mm-hmm. metric and not, not because of what their defensive ceiling is not because of what their, uh you know what this lineup does or what that lineup does i just think it's going to be the best indicator of this team's effort level mm-hmm. and and it's just it's just a great to me just like a quick catch all type of metric that says that does a good job of of uh, gaining how hard a team is playing and you know the effort's been really inconsistent to start the year a big part of that's depth a big part of that's injuries but i i i'm just i'd like to just see over the course of the season, then trend in the right direction and get that closer to that top five, top 10. Cause then that would just be an indicator to me that they're giving the consistent effort to establish the habits that they need, that they're going to lean on when they hit adversity in the playoffs. And so it's ugly so far, that's definitely something they need to work on. Um,
1: but that's something I definitely want to keep track of. Yep. I agree. And we'll see, uh, we'll see it again tomorrow against they're playing the thunder play OKC tomorrow. Um, so that's, <laughs> Yeah, play OKC
0: tomorrow, and I wouldn't be surprised if both LeBron and AD sat out, but I hope LeBron gives it a go if AD sat out. Yeah, I would,
1: I, would, I would think the same. You should be able to be OKC without, uh, even, maybe even without AD and LeBron, you still be able to, you should still be able to go in there and get a win. Uh, but we'll see. Uh, it, this was a good win though, I think. It was ugly, it was close, uh, unnecessary close sometimes, but uh, I thought it was good to pull this one out. I thought it was important to come back. You can't just, you know, they went down 12 in that third, and it looked, it looked scary. I thought they were going to lose, to be honest. I thought the spurs we're just going to run the score up and i think it's important they came back and and they won so that was good yeah
0: it was Mm -hmm. an important game a couple couple of important Mm -hmm. check marks like the memphis game lebron and ad both didn't play well and they won that's a that's a big check mark especially after the suns game or the warriors game where lebron and ad were world beaters and they lost like this that was an important check mark and then tonight down a star on the road young team playing with a ton of energy just you just Mm -hmm. need to get a win And and they got to win. So like some of those like mental checkboxes that we look for, for like that championship Mm -hmm. makeup, a couple of those things got checked in the last couple nights. So that's, that's definitely encouraging, but yes, thank you guys so much for hanging out. We sincerely appreciate it. Like I said, wanted to get Raj's thoughts on a bunch of stuff, but we are going to take a ton of callers tomorrow night. So bring your questions, bring your, uh, whatever it is that you have to say, whatever it is you want to vent about. We're going to take a ton of callers tomorrow night. Hopefully another Laker win at that point. But Raj, it's good to have you back, my man. And I will see you
1: tomorrow Appreciate it, everyone. Night. Thank
0: you.